Thanks for joining us now on KVCR for KVC Arts, arts and entertainment, as well as the people and places providing it. I'm David Fleming. On this edition of the program, Johnny Hickman from Cracker. The group has roots steeped in the Inland Empire and will even get a song played to me over the phone, one called The San Bernardino Boy. That's just ahead. And of course, some of their breakout hits. Let's go into it this way. Cracker, as a name for the band, does this really go any deeper than being a couple of white guys in Virginia? Yeah, you know, when we chose the name, we did it with a sense of humor, of course. Yeah. The fact that Dave and I were both military kids. We met out in California, but we'd grown up on Air Force bases, both of us separately across the South. And David's dad's family were from Arkansas, and I'd spent time living in Arkansas. And just we had a little Southern connection all the way through. So it was kind of just a little tongue-in-cheek. It's come back to bite us, though, because, well, quite often when people use the name of our band on Facebook, they get pinged for... Uh, oh, yeah, a potentially offensive material. Oh, I never even thought of that. That's... Wow. Yeah, it's come back to haunt us, but, you know, it's certainly way too late to change the name of the band. That's like 33 years too late. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, when Cracker performs live... I'm just going to dive into the song Low. Is this the opener to get people psyched, or this is maybe the closer to get everybody singing along kind of thing? Yeah, I don't think we've ever opened with Low. Maybe back when it first came out, but even then, Dave and I, have, from the beginning of the band, have always had a little bit of trouble with people who won't play their hit singles live. We always play our radio hits, yeah. because, uh, I mean, that's what put us on the map, you know? Mm-hmm. So we always play Low, we always play Get Off This, because those are the songs that people know us mainly from. But we change the set all the time. We'll put them somewhere in the middle or put low closer to the end. But, you know, it really doesn't matter. Gotcha. Um, we don't really lock into that. But we do play our radio songs when we play live, of course. We think people that don't are just being snooty and kind of ridiculous and counterproductive to their careers, you know. Oh, completely, yeah. You know, there is something to be said for wanting to perform that freshness, that new material or whatever, but you cannot ignore what the people are hoping to hear. You'll be lucky with some of the folks out there, you know, hoping for some of the deep tracks, but other people sure. will just be, oh, the guys that did low, let's go for that. Okay, cool. That's another reason for always playing your radio song live is because, you know, a lot of people, that's probably the only song they've ever heard. Mm. And, you know, they're coming at it with open ears and open hearts, but that's the song that they can identify with. They've heard it before, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, easily probably one of my favorite Cracker tunes, long before I even knew who you guys were. And I have to back that statement up by saying that when Cracker was first starting to release material, that's about the time that I was just post-Navy and really getting so entrenched in the world of public radio that anything on the mainstream dial usually escaped my attention. Cracker, however, and the song Low, it just permeated everything and Even I was just always asking, who is that? Oh, Cracker. Okay, cool. Okay. (laughs) We'll get to the video for this in just a second. And that just cracked me up, or crackered me up. The song itself, though, once we get to the opening words, you know, the tempo is down. But it starts more up-tempo, and then for that matter, it's fuzzier and dirtier, and I say this in good ways, thicker textures. 
So I suppose I'm wondering about the thought process on this. Was this the original intention to have this harder intro and then back down and make people kind of lean forward and pay attention? And that harder intro, that's really a reflection of what's to come, I suppose. Yeah, well, one of the many cracker formulas in the way we make music is that, you know, the song starts with a big Johnny Hickman riff, Yeah, you know, and we go from there. A lot of our songs do. They're sort of created around the guitar riff that I had. And David being one of the most brilliant songwriter and lyricists out there, you know, that was his starting point. Not always, but it's one of the ways we write songs. And Low is one of those. You know, it kind of came from kind of a hungover sound check back in the day. You know, I was just sort of noodling with that guitar riff. And the song just sort of happened spontaneously. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't any kind of intention or anything, but, you know, it's funny that Low came out when grunge was the big thing. Yeah, You know, and a lot of our music obviously doesn't fit into any subgenre category like grunge. or I mean, you can compare it to that. I mean, it's certainly hard rock, but it's not metal. Right. What we do is certainly rock, but it also there are bits of punk rock in there. There are bits of country in there. You know, we draw influences from everywhere because those are the bands that we really liked growing up. You know, we liked the Beatles and the Stones and Led Zeppelin and the Kinks and bands that didn't stick to one particular little sound, yeah. which, you know, it's a little harder to categorize Cracker for that reason. But we're kind of proud of the fact that we're a non-genre specific band, if you will. And Low just happened to be a really good song that just worked for us. You know, we love all our babies, as we say. <laughs> you know, I'm tuning a guitar while we're speaking here, if you don't mind. Oh, no, I don't mind at all. You know, I've got a song called San Bernardino Boy yeah. for my album Palm Hinge. If you want to hear a little snippet of that. Oh, I absolutely do. We'll actually skip to that one. I know that Cracker re-recorded this one for the Berkeley to Bakersfield album, and it was cool on the original on Palmhenge. It was a very thinly textured thing. It was just you and the guitar, and there is some harmony vocals. Is that actually you overdubbing there, or do you actually have backup singers? On my solo, yeah, that's just another track of me doing another voice. Okay, cool, cool. Then when Cracker redid it, oh my God, it was just filled with other textures, you know, just a piano tinkling in the background and whatnot. So was this a thing that everybody had to sit down and let's talk about the arrangements for this? Or is this really you strumming along and somebody joins in and just this close to a jam session? Yeah, we're pretty organic in the way we work in the studio. You know, our only rule is just don't suck. Make it good, you know. <laughs> but we bring different instruments in and out. Basically, Cracker, in the music business, they call the way we do our thing sort of the Steely Dan method, where it's just basically two guys mm-hmm. who are the singers, songwriters, and other band members come and go. And we've had a lot of people in the band over the years, a lot of people on the various records. But, of course, at the center of that is the founding fathers, Hickman and Lowry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, each song sounds a little different. Each album has a little bit of a different flavor here and there. And it's made for a more interesting career. And I think it's more satisfying for the fans as well, for the crumbs, as they call themselves. Hmm. I think it's more satisfying for them because they never know quite what to expect from us, aside from the fact that we're going to keep giving them good songs and riffs, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, you were talking about the different sounds and the variety of sounds, I should say. And that's, I suppose, what really attracted me to Cracker as a band I guess, you know, in the world of jazz, one of my favorite things is jazz fusion. And of course, we're talking about combining different elements into one sound with a somewhat common denominator. And so, again, that's probably something that attracts me and keeps me liking Cracker because I'm still always discovering, hey, wait, I didn't hear the, oh, is this Nitty Gritty Dirt Band or Poco thrown in on top of 
Exactly. Led Zeppelin or what? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. The sex Pistols. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You've got the garage rock with the yeah. melody and then the harmonizing. It's just amazing. All these things coming together. Are you ready with San Bernardino Boy by chance? I could do a little bit of it, sure. Okay, cool. And then we'll come in a little bit later with it more perhaps. But yeah, just to set this up for people, Johnny's spent a lot of time in Redlands. This is where I currently live. This is also where David Lowry lived in Redlands for a while before they packed up off to Virginia. And I'm sitting in San Bernardino right now at the KVCR Studios. And Johnny has a song from his solo release, Palm Henge. Let's hear a bit of San Bernardino Boy. Okay. This is kind of a funny song, and I grew up, for the most part, in San Bernardino, Highland, Redlands, but mostly San Bernardino. So I'm, I'm a Purdue guy. So the song San Bernardino Boy, I wrote this song after I went to the Us Festival. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, my God. Big three-day festival in San Bernardino, out in DeVore. There was kind of a hard rock day. There was kind of a new wave day. And I was out there on the hard rock day just to kind of you know be there and see... I don't know who, Scorpions, Judas Priest, you know, all the big hard rock bands of the day. Wow. And the guy in the song, there really was a guy, and he inspired the song. And he was kind of a mess, but I just called him the San Bernardino boy, and he inspired <laughs> the song. So okay. uh, I just imagine the rest of his life. So here you go. Beautiful. Here you go, dude. Okay. In his underwear, he's playing in that dirty air. His dad is in the Chino jail. He'll grow up to be dumb as dirt by 23 with the county sheriff on his trail. 714 is that knocking on my door? The San Bernardino boy. I know that somebody killed the light. The San Bernardino boy. That is phenomenal. And that's one that I've appreciated that tune for a while. I don't think that I heard your version for I think I may have heard the Cracker version before the original version from you. But that's one that I always enjoyed and tried to imagine, even before thinking that I might be speaking with any of you guys, if this is one of you, am I about to hear about his dad in jail in Chino, or is this pretty much one of so many people you can meet and all this kind of thing here in this hang a left, go to Fontana, whatever kind of thing. Now, the character in the song, just sort of an amalgam of, you know, a couple of guys I saw at the US Festival that day and, you know, growing up in Purdue, you know, so the guy's just sort of this hapless character getting in trouble in the song till the Billy Clubs commence to fly, you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And the guy that I saw at the US Festival, he had a broken leg, but not a cast, but it was obvious that his leg was broken. Oh, good God. And there his friends are telling him, look, you got to get that looked at. You know, it looks like your leg's broken. It's really swelling up. And I will quote him. He said, I'm not leaving till I see Ozzy. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, he's dancing around on his obviously broken leg. And I thought, okay, this is the San Bernardino boy right here, this poor guy. Yeah. And later on, I think the cops decided, number one, the guy is in physical distress. We're just going to take him with us. <laughs> and I think they were taking him to get some medical help. And his friends were telling the cops, yeah, thanks for helping him because he's messed up. <laughs> So there you go. The San Bernardino boy. I hope he made it. And I thank him for inspiring the song for me. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so great if he actually heard this at some point and was like, no way. That was me. Oh yeah, my God. that was me. I'm like, yeah, I broke my leg at the festival. And, you know, I, had, I messed it up worse. I got it set the next day. And now Johnny Hickman wrote a song about it. Oh, okay. You know. Between Ozzy and yeah. sepsis setting in. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> in a compound fracture, you know. <laughs> interesting day for the poor guy, you know. And here's the Cracker re-recording of the San Bernardino Boy. In his underwear Playing in that dirty air And his dad is in the Chino jail He'll grow up to be Dumb as dirt by 23 With the county sheriff on his trail San Bernardino Boy, off Cracker's Berkeley to Bakersfield, originally from Johnny Hickman's Palmhenge. I'm David Fleming with you for KVC Arts in conversation with Johnny Hickman of Cracker and going into the second half with how we went into the program. And more on the song Low. The video. Okay, this is, I suppose, in a way, a concept question, but I really hate to think of it that way. Uh, but eventually we get to a boxing match with David Lowry getting his ass kicked. But at some point, somebody was thinking, we need a woman driving around bitching about traffic, cursing at people through the windshield, just foul and pissed off. And then someone yeah. said, hey, Sandra Bernhardt. Yep. So, 
Uh, well, they yeah. look similar. Sandra looks like she could be the long-lost Lowry sister. Oh. And I think there was discussion between Carlos Grosso, our fantastic video director, who also directed the Euro Trash Girl videos and some of our other ones. Hmm. Just a fantastically creative artist in his own right, filmmaker. And he and David had a discussion about who would be David's feminine other. And it was sort of decided that Sandra Bernhardt would be good. So they tracked her people down, basically. And I think what Sandra first said was, if I like the song, I'll think about doing the video. <laughs> then she got back to us and said, I effing love this song. Let's go. <laughs> so there we go. She really liked the song. And if she hadn't liked if she thought the song sucked, it wouldn't have happened. Wow. But thankfully she did. And away we went. We're in the L.A. riverbed there filming. And we set up a boxing ring in the L.A. riverbed for the oh. video, which you know was pretty bold for the day. You know, the record company saying, you're going to do what? Okay. <laughs> you know, they were behind us all the way. They really loved the song. We really loved the song. We thought it was one of our strong ones. But as David and I, you know, with Virgin Records at the time, you know, these people do this for a living. Let's let them pick the single. And that's the first song they went to. Oh, wow. And the rest cool. is history. And we made a great video for it, a really intriguing, kind of a strange video, kind of a raging bull meets indie rock or something. Yes. The video did very well. At first, like all of our videos, it's a little too weird for the main mainstreams. It was getting shown on the show 120 Minutes, like on Sunday, where they put the oh, kind yeah. of the weirdos like us, <laughs> us and uh, the meat puppets or oh, cool. whoever. And then it kind of broke through. And as the song started to get picked up by college radio and a few outside radio stations and then eventually to hit the big station you know it was getting played all over the place it took a little while it wasn't like an overnight success that song but it was the course of a couple of months it became a big hit and it just kept going it really put us on the map and looking back on it david i'm really glad that it was our sophomore effort as they say our second mm -hmm. record yeah. that had a song that blew up Teen Angst from the first album, the self-titled debut, if you will, Cracker, yeah. which the fans call Brand because it says Cracker Brand on there. Oh, okay, there it is. So the fans call it Brand, and that record did respectively well. It eventually went gold, but it took a couple of years, but that's okay. Kerosene eventually went gold and then platinum, so we did all right. And I think it's the blessing to have your second record be the one that kind of blows up a little bigger than the first. Because if your first record is just gigantic, where do you go from there? Oh, precisely, um, yes. You know, and I've seen a lot of bands that that happened to where, oh, the first record, you know, our friends, the Gin Blossoms and other bands where the first record blew up. And then it's like, OK, where do you go from here? Yeah. And if the second record is even bigger than it's seen as kind of almost a failure, which was ridiculous, of course. Right. But I'm glad that that was our trajectory. The first record did respectively well. It nearly went gold and then it just kept going up. And then Kerosene Hat really blew up big. And from that point on, we kind of had a foot in the door. And every record did well. Yeah. Not as huge as Kerosene Hat, but they all did well and were all reviewed very well as our solo records. You know, our last Cracker record was Berkeley to Bakersfield yeah. 10 years ago now. And it's done really, really well for us. It just really had legs and it got great reviews. It sold well. The fans embraced it. And now people are asking Dave and I, are you going to do another Cracker record? But, you know, I never say never. But uh, we're doing well with our solo records. And with Berkeley to Bakersfield, it's kind of like David said, well, let's, let's end on a high note. It did really well, much better than if we'd put out a record and nobody noticed. Yeah. So we'll see. The future is unwritten, and I never say never. So, you know, David and I are certainly still going to keep working together.
Now, one of the ones, I don't think it was as big as anything, but it's one that I latched onto at some point. Now, I'm talking about March of the Billionaires, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. This one had such a cool, cool drive on this one, and I read it as sort of a darker, heavier surf rock with a touch of Alan Toussaint. If that... (laughs) Oh, I like it. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's a good description. I'm still trying to figure uh, out what gives me that New Orleans feel in there, that Professor Longhair thing. So talk about that, but please, I feel like while the song feels fun and it's certainly propelling, I feel like this is very much a bitter nod to a certain percentage of the world. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's us sort of taking the piss out of the one percenters the billionaires and trillionaires who basically control the planet. And yeah, I mean, there's another perfect example of it. I came in with that big riff. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a minor, and it's got a few bluesy sevenths in there. But it's a big, simple riff. It's another one of those riffs. Gets the attention, and David has a lot to say. And, you know, get into line, stock topping back to the new boss. You know, new boss, same as the old boss. He kind of came from that perspective. March of the Billionaires. Have you seen the video? Some fans made a video for it that's really fantastic. Google the video at some point. Oh, it's totally. animated and it's, it's really, really good. We couldn't have done better ourselves as far as this video goes. But yeah, I mean, that's a very punchy, aggressive, kind of a pissed off song that fit right in with what we were doing at the time. Yeah, it's taking the piss out of the billionaires and basically admitting that, yeah, they're holding the puppet strings here. And there's not a whole lot we can do about it, but we can certainly be pissed about it. You know, and I think that comes across very clearly in the song. Totally, and yet it remains fun and catchy at the same time. So that's really kind of interesting. So it's really cool and something that I enjoy about it. We've got plenty of bouncy hate songs, you know. (laughs) 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 And I don't think that's a bad thing. No. Catchy, bouncy, song full of anger. You know, it works, you know. Yeah. Euro Trash Girl. This has come up a couple of times. So on the surface, it made me wonder if this was from the perspective at first, okay, of the singer or if it's actually the story of the experiences of some girl on holiday. Then it becomes clear as we hear things like, I'll search the world over for my Euro Trash Girl. This is one that always stayed with me due to the general feel and progression of the song, but then little phrases would always come back to me in the, (laughs) the middle of the night or some serious conversation. You know, a friend may be talking about his car getting broken into or going to Amsterdam or selling plasma for cash, you know, whatever. And they're right. trying to be serious, but then I'm quietly humming Cracker to myself and then singing loudly in the car. This one, <laughs> you mentioned that it was the same videographer that produced some of your other stuff. Carlos Grasso, yeah. Fabulous talent, yeah. And it's almost uh, like a beautiful little black and white film that stands on its own strength in addition to the song. But the song itself was birthed in, I believe we were in New Jersey in a hotel room. Hmm. And our drummer at the time, Joey Peters, was watching television, watching some Euro dance show or something. So, yeah, look at these girls. Look at this Euro trash. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with us, you know. <laughs> I hadn't even heard the term before. That. I don't think any of us had. 
But I think Joey just sort of dropped that. And we went with it. We started just bouncing ideas back and forth. And the song kind of grew out of some reality of being over in Europe on tour and what that was like. And, and then we just sort of imagined the hapless character in the song and what could happen to him, you know, having to bathe in a fountain because there's nowhere else to take a bath or it doesn't say it in the song, but like, you know, at one point, David lost his passport over there and mm. had to go back to the bar where he lost it. You know, just these things that happen. And we just sort of sent the guy on his mission. And it was really fun creating this little character in there, you know, mostly from David, but I threw ideas in there, too. You know, he gets arrested. He can't get out. And every day is different from the last. And what am I going to do? Is he stranded in Europe? It leaves it kind of open-ended, but he's having a little bit of a tough time over there. But ultimately, he's just looking for that girl, you know? Mm -hmm. He just wants to meet some awesome European girl dressed in black, some sort of crazy ideal that he has in his mind, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's just a big, rambly song. And we had to edit it down, because originally it had even more verses. Oh. You know, we do that sometimes. We like to storytell our songs. Yeah. And so it's one of those. And then, you know, we had to boil it down to a song that would get played on the radio. Yeah. Thankfully, it did. And that's probably my favorite Cracker video. It's just so good. The Carlos did such a fantastic job on it. And I remember there's a scene in the Euro Trash Girl video where I'm executed. And that came out of, you know, Carlos was on the road with us. And I woke up in a start one day and I actually had a dream where I was being executed. And I think that I had that dream because David, in an interview a day earlier, we were on the live radio interview with David said, yeah, Johnny's guitar solos are so their own little epics. And he said they sound like national anthems of small South American countries, possibly written at gunpoint. Oh, <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a very strange yet beautiful compliment from my songwriting partner that like a, the, the, like a national anthems but written at gunpoint and he said it and it was really funny and i think that i had that nightmare of being executed not long after that so in the mind of carlos grasso it all blended together and out comes the video and my executors in the video i'm standing there blindfolded in the video are our bus driver our tour manager and our guitar tech and we found fake guns for all of them. We did that. And uh, I don't even know if you could have a video like that. I think it probably got banned in some places because there were guns in the video. Mm. But, you know, it got significant airplay and got our foot in yet another door. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. been Johnny Hickman of Cracker for the entirety of this edition of KVC Arts. It was a wonderful, lengthy conversation, so more with Hickman on the next edition of KVC Arts as well. More on Cracker, more on a bit of his solo stuff. Thanks again to Johnny Hickman and here at KVCR, thanks to Lillian Vasquez, Rick Duloc, and Sharina Wad. 
Music beds and themes heard on KVC Arts composed and performed by Sean Longstreet, so thanks to Sean as well. Find many past KVC Arts programs via podcast through iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, and Google Play. And most past shows are at kvcrnews.org slash arts. I'm David Fleming. Thanks especially to you for listening and for your support.